Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, all of you listeners of this great station, beaming only Devre Torah, Devre Musar, Devre Orerut, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Albaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about the parasha Kitisa. However, first I want to bring some events that happened in the past and tie it, give a connection to the parasha that we read today. We all read twice on Purim the story of Esther, and uh, they're very simple. Haman Arasha, the wicked Haman, wanted Hazrat Shalom to eliminate the entire Jewish population. And what happened is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did just the opposite. Instead of the enemy getting going after us, we want after them. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu delivered us, He saved us from the wicked Haman and all the enemies. Now, in the Haggadah of Pesach, it says over there, Shebechol dor vador omdim alenu lechalotenu. Every generation, the enemies, somehow, they'll get after us. They want, God forbid, to eliminate us. Be'akadosh baruchu matzilenu mi'adam. But akadosh baruchu always saves us from them. This only happens with the Jews, by the way. I was looking about, uh, made a little research about the uh, persecutions of the Jews from the year 250 of this era until today. In other words, a span of around 1,800 years. And there were 220 cases that were recorded. Now, we're talking about persecutions we're not talking about demonstrations or, or uh, blowing up a, a, a store or something. We're talking about persecutions. And there were three major categories of persecutions. Either they would, for example, declare the wealth of the Jews as worthless and they'll just take it. And you have people over there, Jews that were working for so many years to finally make it, only to find out that all their assets are gone. And that's a, a mild case of persecution. The next category was expulsion. You just tell the Jews out, period. This did not only happen during the Inquisition, which is quite famous, but it happened many, many times in France, in England, other countries. And even more times in, from, from uh, uh, towns rather than the whole country. And finally, the other broad category was plain massacre. The enemy would just come and kill the Jews. Uh, interestingly enough, that the vast majority of these persecutions, as I've seen recorded, were in Christian countries, not as many in Arab countries, and practically none 
in the Far East. In the Far East, in the history of the Far East, you don't find uh, actual massacres or pogroms or against the Jews. Uh, probably because in the Far East, they 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 they're mostly pagans, and and uh, pagans have many gods. Each one has his own god. So the Jews come in with their god to them. Doesn't make a difference whether they have fifty gods or fifty-one gods. Doesn't make a difference. So it didn't bother them. That's in the Far East. But the vast majority of the massacres were in Christian lands. Of course, we're all familiar with the Holocaust. And uh, uh, everyone knows six million Jews perished in the Holocaust. But you know something? It's a slight misnomer because I know a couple who survived from the Holocaust, which was 70 years ago, and they came here to America, and that couple now is approximately 70 people involved with the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren after 70 years. There's about uh, 70 people. Imagine. Those 6 million people could have been today 20 million. We're only 14 million in the world. Another 20 million could have been 34 million. Big force in the world. The Inquisition. During that time, the 300,000 Jews were forced to convert and become Goim. And they, even after they told them you become a, a, a convert, you'll be fine, everything will be... Well, used to call them Maranos. What does Marano mean? Marano means a swine in Spanish. It means they were much lower class there were people that were looked at with disgust and contempt, despite the fact they agreed to change their religion. And God forbid, if after they converted, they 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 they, they find out that they did something, uh, something you know, even a, a tiny little thing that has to do with Judaism, they take him and burn him at the stake. You think? ISIS is bad. Well, these people are much worse than ISIS. ISIS has burned one, two, three, perhaps a few that we don't know. We talk about hundreds. Hundreds of Jews were burned. Not only that, there have been burnings of Jews in other, in other towns throughout the history. It's the things that we know because they happen to be uh, uh, quite uh, fam famous, uh, notorious. How many of us, of us heard of the Shmilnilki massacres huh? in Russia and Poland, 1648-1649? 100,000 Jews were massacred. The Ashkenazim called that the Tach uh, Vetat. Tach means 408. Tat 409. That was the years in Hebrew, 5408-5409. That's when they the Cossacks, as they were fighting the Poles, whatever, they took the Jews as scapegoats and just kept on massacring them. You heard of the Crusaders? What did they do? 
it will say what like like the the the, the Christian similarity to uh, uh, to the ISIS today. It was zealots. The main objective was to go ahead and liberate Jerusalem and make it Christian. <laughs> but on their way, for no reason whatsoever, as they were going, whether from France, from Germany, from England, on their way, they will just wipe out complete communities of Jews. No reason. You heard of the Black Death? The Black Plague, whatever, in the year 1350. That particular plague killed about between 100 and 200 million people in Europe. Now, it, it depends which historian you, you, know, you read. Not thousand, million. Now, the Jews, proportionately speaking, did not die as much from that plague. They didn't suffer as much. If one-third of Europe of the Goyim were wiped out, maybe perhaps 10% of the Jews. But what happened? Because the Jews were less. They blamed it on the Jews. <laughs> you people, hey, so now you're surviving. Either it's witchcraft, or you poisoned our wells, or whatever reason they happen, they go massacre them. Such is, or such was, the fate of our ancestors, unfortunately. But what does that have to do with the parasha of today? Something. There is something. Now, we don't know the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things, He knows what He's doing, His reasons that we don't understand. But there is one thing. In this parasha, we saw the the Bnei Israel bowing down, worshipping, and even bringing sacrifices to the golden calf. An idol. It's mind-boggling. I can't fathom it myself. These are the same people who three months before that, they sold the ten makot. They left Egypt. They witnessed the plagues. They witnessed the splitting of the sea. They saw Kadosh Baruch Hu coming in Hasinai. They heard Hashem pronouncing the Ten Commandments. And then what? They go ahead, make an idol, and bow down to it. So Hashem said, Vayomer Lehashmidam, it says in the Tehillim. Lule Moshe Behiro. Akadosh Baruch Hu wanted to finish them. If not for Moshe Rabbeinu, who interfered, who in, in, intervened, prayed for them, and asked Hashem to forgive them. Hashem did forgive them, but only for that time. Only for that time he did not finish them off. But it says, "Obiom pokdi ufagati alehem." Look at Rashi in Shemot Perek Lamed Bet. It says, "I read 
אתה שמעתי אליך מלכלותם יחד. Now I'm listening to you. I am not going to finish them. ותמיד, תמיד, twice, always, always, כשאפקוד עליהם עוונותיהם. When הקדוש ברוך הוא looks at the sins of the בני ישראל, ופקדתי עליהם מעט מן העוון הזה. And you're going to bring in a little more, a little bit, a little slice of the עוון of the עגל. And connected with that also. ואין פורענות באה על ישראל. There's no punishment, no punishment that goes on Israel שאין בה קצת מפרעון עוון העגל. That does not include a little bit of the punishment of the sin of the עגל. I mean, you see that every single, every single pogrom, every single uh, massacre that happened, HaKadosh Baruch Hu somehow is taking a bit of the punishment from the Avonayil. Now, Avodazara, unfortunately, is a grave sin. And we see that even kings of Israel, Malchei Israel, Malchei Yehuda, many of them were of the Avodazara. The Haftarah we read yesterday about Ahav, King Ahav, he was of the Avodazara. It was a Rasha. He was not the only one. How could anyone, after Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Torah, and after all the Hachamim, giving and uh, teaching the Torah to everybody. Deny has v'shalom halila v'has. The existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and go ahead and bow down to other idols. It, it, it's incomprehensible. But that is what happened. The Hachamim give a parable. It says, imagine a king who had a rebellious son. He went the wrong derech, the wrong way. And the king swore to take a big rock and throw it at him and kill him. As he was about to do so, a loyal and very good friend of his stopped him and says, Please, your majesty, it's your son. How can you kill your own son? So the king answered, I swore. I swore that I will take a rock and throw it at him and kill him. So he said, you know what? You can accomplish both. Fulfill your Shavua and spare him at the same time. So how do I do that? Break the rock into little pieces. And throw one small piece at a time. Eventually the whole rock will be thrown. So you've accomplished your Shavua. But at the same time, you're not killing him. That's what happened. With the sin of the Eger. It's like a big rock. That was broken down into little pieces. And each time there is a massacre or there is something, a persecution, well, there is one little rock, one pebble from that rock, from the egel that is thrown at them. It so happens that from all the sins of Israel, there's only two that still 
applicable today. One of them is the Egil. The other one is your sale, the Mechirat of Yosef at Sati. And on Yom Kippur, we have a prayer there which says, Ki ata solehan l'Israel. You are Kadosh Baruch Hu. You forgive Israel. Umuhalan l'Shivtei Yishurun. And also, you forgive Shivtei Yishurun Israel also. Why twice? What does that mean? One has to do with Ben Adam Lamakom, Solehan Israel, which is the Abon of the Egel. Umuhalan, it says he Shivtei the Shvatim. Shivtei Yishurun, they are the ones that sold Yosef at Sadiq. That was Ben Adam Nahabiru. Like I said before, we don't know the ways of Hashem. We do know one thing. If we behave properly, study the Torah Hashem gave us, fulfill its mitzvot, there will be no need for tragedies. Hashem only brings in a piece of the egg because if there is some sin that the, the Bnei Israel deserve to be punished, then he brings this in. But you say, we can preempt any attempt of our enemies to hurt us by coming back to Hashem. You say, prevention is the best medicine. If, we, if we, 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 we do what Hashem is telling us to do, there's no reason for us to punish us. And no reason to bring in a piece of the action from the Hegel either. Now, maybe we can try to understand a little bit what happened here. What happened with Avodah Eke? It says, Vayar ha'am ki boshesh Moshe laredet minahar. Moshe Rabbeinu went for the, uh, to, to receive the Luchot and to study the Torah from Makadosh Baruch Hu on the 7th of Sivan. He went during the day. And he told him, in 40 days I'll be back. Within six hours. In their mind, they figured that the seventh of Sivan was also a date to count. And therefore, in their mind, on the 16th of Tammuz, Moshe Rabbi should have been back. He wasn't. And as Rashi brings the Midrash, there was Al-Bubiyah, the Satan came and confused the people, showed them that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, passed away and so on and so forth. Uh, and so they, they got all, uh, you know, uh, uh, involved in this. And in, uh, he said, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's the one that took us out of Egypt and so on. Lo edanu ma'ilo, we know what happened to him. So let's make, let's make uh, another Agar. That, that's, that's what happened. But imagine, Rabotai. Here we have a... A ceremony that was going on, a celebration, but I mean a real, real uh, 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 huge celebration here. They were dancing, they were singing, thousands of people, with a big turmoil going on, a whole, a whole big celebration there. And all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu comes in, and the minute they see him, everything stops. Everything stops. The singing stops. The dancing stops. Everyone. You have dead silence. 
What happened? A few seconds before, they were going crazy with the singing, and all of a sudden, everything stops. What happened? I saw a shot from Rabbi Friend. He said, you know, when the truth emerges, everybody understands it. They understand it. Until then, they thought Moshe Rabbeinu perhaps died. They see Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The truth comes out. When the truth comes out, everything stops. Then they recognize what it is. See, who would have predicted before 1991 that the Soviet Union was about to break down and dissolve? Okay? Dissolve. That the president lost his job. And went to pieces, each one wanted his own. Who would have predicted such a thing? What happened? Oh, you go, you go to a study about what, what's the reason for the dissolution of the Soviet Union. You'll find uh, many dozens and dozens of theories. But Rabotai is very simple. If you look at the history of Russia, just prior to that, a few months before, you will see that people were standing online just to buy a loaf of bread. Okay? Take a, you can take a look at it, you'll see. Communism was shaker v'chazav. At the beginning, they promised them the world. We are comrades. We are equal. We're going to divide our wealth between us, each one is equal. You're going to get the same share of the wealth as the other one. <laughs> Sounds good. But what happened is, after a while, people say, wait a minute, what do I have to go to work for? I'm going to get the same amount of wealth anyway, right? I get the same thing. Well, I have to go to work. So absenteeism from work went higher and higher. Less production and nothing. Why? Because there was no incentive. There was no incentive. The whole the communism was shaken. Then when finally the truth came out, it dissolved. The truth came out, it dissolved. And therefore we say, many people ask the question, look how many countries in the world and is billion and a half Christians, I don't know how many billion and a half maybe Muslims, how many pagans in the world and all these. How is that going to happen when the Mashiach will come? We say, on that day, will be unique and everyone will recognize. Why? Because when the truth emerges, Everyone will recognize it. When the Mashiach will come, everyone will recognize this is the Mashiach. This is the real Messiah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The truth emerges. When the truth comes out, everyone will be quiet. No one will argue. 
Rabotai, there's a lot of lessons to learn from what I just said now. And really, the main thing that goes for both, no persecutions, and the coming of the Mashiach is, if we all go together, unite together, recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the creator of the world, study His Torah, fulfill His misvot. that would be the best to prevent. Anything against us, as well as making sure to speed up the coming the coming of Mashiach Shitkenu Amen Kinyasam. But I just want to remind you this is a great station. If you can help, please send your contributions. Also, uh, I want to let you know but uh, we have a beautiful social hall in our SLC. If you have any simha, why don't you contact us? We'll be able to accommodate you. Shavuatov.